for staring. But he wasn't mad at her. It was his father who had ticked him off. A week earlier, his dad had extended a business trip at the last minute. He was supposed to be the one in the bleachers, not Steele's mom. His dad had bailed on him, bailed on a project he had helped Steele create. His dad absolutely should have been here. His dad belonged here. His dad was a jerk for missing this. Worse, Steele had had a bad feeling about his dad just before his mom had told him he wasn't going to make it home in time for the trip. A very bad feeling. More than anything, he just wanted to see his dad in person, to talk to him. It felt almost as if... But he pushed that horrible thought away, as he had so often this past week. Steele looked for the mystery woman again, and still there was a gap in the bleachers where she had been sitting. One by one, the contestants were introduced. The next kid up to the microphone wore a Hawaiian shirt, a vain attempt to be someone he was not. A nerd is a nerd. Get used to it. One of the cameras moved at the back of the room. Steele looked in that direction, but it wasn't the camera he saw. Instead, he caught sight of two men, two faces he knew only too well, the federal agents from Union Station. He could hardly think. Oddly enough, they weren't looking at him, but instead into the crowd. He followed their gaze. There! She had switched seats. The woman with the dark eyes, the woman with the foreign accent from the train platform in Chicago, the woman who had started all the trouble with the briefcase in the first place. He had no doubts now. It was her, sitting only a few rows behind Steele's mother. To his horror, he watched as his mother also spotted the agents. She got up from her seat in a hurry and worked her way down the aisle and, steaming mad, there was no mistaking that look of hers, marched toward the taller agent. Steele had to stop her. He stood up. An older kid next to him pushed him down and said, Stay in your seat, Einstein. It's not your turn, unless your name is Annie Delmer. Steele's belly twisted into an unforgiving knot. There was only one explanation for the woman's being here. She was looking for the briefcase. Friday, May 13, two weeks before the challenge. Kyle Trapp's heart soared. He loved flying, and he was currently piloting a single-engine Cessna 5,000 feet above Lake Michigan. The sky shone blue above lake water of cinnamon gray. Kyle possessed information vital to the investigation, a secret so sensitive that he couldn't trust telephones or email. He could deliver it only in person. He checked his watch. Another two hours. The smell hit him first. A nasty, bitter taste at the back of his throat, it took him just seconds to realize it was electrical. The plane's avionics, the flight instruments, all went dark simultaneously. He tapped the various dials. Nothing. Without electronics, he couldn't set the plane to fly itself, 
so he steadied the yoke and double-checked the fuses by running his hand over them, feeling for one that might be sticking out. Again, nothing. The motor coughed and sputtered, then caught back to life. He stayed calm, as he had been trained, and tried to determine the cause, and therefore the solution. He pulled his laminated checklists out of the door's side pocket, flipped through the pages, and tried some circuit breakers. To no effect. Every electrical instrument on the plane's console was dead. Only the vacuum-assisted devices still worked, the altitude indicator and the compass. He pulled a backup radio out of his flight bag, switched it on, and tuned to an emergency frequency. A new smell. Burning oil. The motor was on fire. Coughing, he set the radio down on the co-pilot seat and twisted open the small vent, letting in much-needed fresh.